What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome to Transformation Church Podcast, where we represent God to the lost and found for transformation in Christ. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe God will transform your life through today's message. We're starting a brand new series today. Is anybody excited for our new series? Our series is called What I'm Hearing Here. Everybody say it with me. What I'm Hearing Here. Say it again. Say what I'm hearing here. Now, this series um, kind of acts like uh, the, the son or the daughter to our vision series, Here is Holy. Somebody say, Here is Holy. The reason I say that is because um, we're a little over halfway through the year, and some of you have already forgot what we talked about in January. You know, I already forgot. You obsessed with there. You're like, whoo, I can't wait to get up out this year. This is whack. This is trash. I'm ready to get up out of here. Hold on a second. Here is holy. Not there. See, we have these concepts in our minds that I'll be more blessed there. I'll be better there. I'm going to be uh, bawling when I get there. Here's the problem with there. I hate to b- burst your bubble, but you actually technically will never get there. Charles, what do you mean? Okay, let's say uh, this is there for me, and I'm over here, and I want to go there. When I get there, I'll be better. When I get there, I'll have a better marriage. And when I get there, I'll start living pure. And when I get there, I'll stop drinking. And when I get there, and you're all worried about there and how much better your life is going to be there. And let's say you just happen to get quote unquote there. The only problem is it's not there anymore. It's here. Well, yeah, well, I'm here. Well, no, you used to, well, no, it's the There always becomes here. So it's a perpetual rat race of trying to get to the next thing, trying to get more money, trying to open up another business, trying to date another person. If you would just be content, somebody say here. Here Here is holy. Here is where God has purpose for you. Here is where you are going to get the fulfillment that you're looking for. Here is where God wants to speak to you. Here is where God wants to grow you. Here is where it's not perfect, but you are progressing. Somebody say here. Say, you can, be con- you can be content here. You can trust God here. You can be faithful here. You can have joy here. You can have peace here. You can be blessed here. Somebody say here. here. I need to remind you because somebody say here. here. Here is holy. And today we're going to kind of use um, that idea and that understanding to kind of build off of that and talk about what I am hearing here. What are you hearing here? I want to read a portion of scripture. It's going to kind of be the anchor scripture for the entire series. Um, It's Romans 10, Romans 10, 17. And uh, I want to read it to you. I'm going to read it in two versions. And then we're going to jump into the word today. This is what uh, the amazing word of God says. Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing. That is hearing the good news about Christ. Some of you are like, that's not the way I heard it. You heard it, the uh, New King James or the King James Version. So faith comes by hearing, finish it if you know it, and hearing the word of God. Yes. We're going to talk about what I am hearing here. Would you take a moment um, all around the world? I want to take a moment to pray and just ask that God would join us in this time. Lord God, we love you so much. You're so kind. I pray that you um, will be so gracious to allow us to hear from you in these moments. Eliminate all distractions, bring peace to the anxious soul, and speak to us. We are listening. We love you. We trust you. To Jesus, that we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Um, so, everybody in this room, everybody watching, everyone um, on the earth, uh, you are born, gifted, and every human um, has in their DNA initially five senses. You have five senses. If you can say, What are the five senses? Yell them out if you know the five senses. Go ahead. Trying to hear your, that's what it sounds like. So you, so you have five senses, sight, smell, taste, touch, hearing. You have eyes to see, 
You have a nose to smell, you have a tongue to taste, skin to touch, and ears to hear. We all have five senses, and uh, for the sake of the series, we're going to focus on hearing. Everybody say hearing. Hearing is interesting because uh, your hearing can mess with you. Anybody ever heard something like you thought you heard something and then you didn't really hear something? Anybody, come on, raise your hand. You, you feel like maybe you misheard some stuff. Um, I, let me say this, I love my wife. I just want to start there and just say I, I love her a lot. But Abby be hearing stuff. She be, and, and particularly she likes to hear things right after I have gotten under the covers and my eyes are just, I'm just drifting off into the rim. Like, I'm just like, the Holy Spirit has calmed my soul. I've done my facial routine, which I stole from her. And I'm just, I'm at peace. And I'm thinking, thank you, Jesus, for this night. And I'm just drifting. And Abby's like, Charles, Charles, like, you hear that? And I'm like, no, I don't. I don't hear it. She's no, just listen, just listen, just listen. That right there, did you hear that? No, baby, I don't, I don't think you're, I, baby, I think it's fine. I don't think, no, just listen, just be quiet, just be, just, just be quiet, shh. That right there, did you hear it? No, baby, I don't, I don't think. One night, literally, she woke up. Now, listen, my wife's been pregnant for the last 10 years every two months, so it's been, I'll give her that fact, you know what I'm saying? Been a lot going on in the Metcalf house, but one time she woke up, literally, she woke me up in the middle of the, I came up out, she said, Charles, wake up, somebody's using our Apple TV. I was like, What? Not somebody broke into our house, not how'd they get inside, not why in the world, somebody's using our Apple TV. I, I literally woke up, I said, baby, that's an owl, and I'm going back to sleep. But she'd be hearing, she said, it sounded just like it. You should be a lot, why are you worried about them using our Apple TV and not snatching up all our children? You like, don't let them subscribe to a new show. I don't, I'm not paying that $12.99. Don't use our Apple. Don't listen. You come over to Metcalf house, but don't you dare touch our Apple TV. Abby going to be on you. But she misheard. And we all mishear things. One of my favorite stories of uh, mishearing something. This is hilarious. Shout out to my dad. I love my dad a lot. My mom and dad. And uh, so I'm, you ever have those moments where like you remember a story as an adult, like as a kid, and it's just that much more funnier to you. So this happened to me the other day. I was probably, I don't know, uh, Chandler, my little brother would have been like four, maybe five. So four plus eight, what's that? 12. So I'm like 12. So I'm sitting in the backseat. My brother's sitting in the backseat. We go through Wendy's. And, you know, we get the food and uh, my mom, you know, my mom starts passing out the food, you know, like you're in the back, like, give me my frosty. Like we're like yelling in the back. And I see my mom hand what I know is my brother's chicken nuggets to my dad. And she says something to him and uh, she hands it to him. And the second she hands it to him, he looks at her like and she says something again. And this man does this. He goes and he throws them out the window. (laughs) And my mom looks at him and I can't say what she actually said but she was like what in the are you doing he's like what you mean what what do you mean and she's like why did you just throw our food out the window he said I thought you said throw it out the window she said why would I tell you to throw the food out the window now let me pause this is husbands we be confused (laughs) I thought about this as as an adult there's those moments as a husband where you're like I don't care what she said I'll throw this food out the window right now I'm not like (laughs) What state was their marriage in? I don't know to where he heard, throw the food you just bought out the window. He said, I'm not questioning a thing. Throw them chicken nuggets out the window. (laughs) You know how demoralized you got to be to throw chicken nuggets out the window without questioning anything? Throw them out the window? Bet. Bam. He just threw a whole 12 piece out the window. (laughs) My mom was so confused. And I was like, yeah, dad, I could have probably guessed that she didn't say throw the food out the window, baby. I could have told you that. A little insight to where my parents were back then. But, you know, um, but what happened literally after that, I remember the whole rest of the car ride, my dad was just mad. Like, he was just mad because he's like, my mom was like, I don't know what she was saying. She was probably just ripping up. My mom's a savage. I love you, mama. But any of my sharp tongue I got from my mama. So she could just, wow, 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 really quickly. Unsubmitted, you know, as Metcalfs can be pretty dangerous. But God's got a hold of our tongue. Anyways. I remember my dad was so frustrated and I was thinking about that story and I realized um, here can become frustrating when you can't hear. Here sometimes gets frustrating when you can't hear right. 
see, in that moment, what was a, a, a random situation where my dad threw some chicken nuggets out the window, I remember getting home, and it became a whole situation, and the rest of the night was kind of awkward. You know when you're a kid, and you know mom and dad are kind of like not on par, but you're trying to act like, so what are we doing, guys? Like, your dad, you want to go throw some football? He's like, nah, man, I don't. I don't think I'm going to be throwing football for the rest of my life, man. I don't know. <laughs> but here can become frustrating when you can't hear. And what I realize is many of us are frustrated with our location, and really it's an issue of your ability to listen. You're frustrated. We always get, as Christians, as anybody in humanity, you get frustrated with your location. I'm mad that I'm here. Well, I thought I'd be further along by now. I thought my life would have been better. I thought I wouldn't struggle with that. I thought, man, the marriage would have lasted longer. I thought, and we're always talking about the location. But today and in this series, I want to talk about what are you listening to? Because if we don't talk about what you're hearing, you will be frustrated at your hearing and be mad at that when really God's trying to speak to you. When really God's using the people that you write off to talk to you. When God's using the people that you talk about to talk to you. When God's using that hard situation trying to get something into your heart, into your mind. But you're so frustrated about your location that you will not stop to listen. And we have to take a moment to stop and ask, God, what am I hearing here? Like, what is God actually saying to me? What is the soundtrack that is in your soul? What is the thing that, that, that drives you in the morning? Because many of us, we read that scripture, Romans 10, 17. I grew up in church and I heard that so many times. So faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Faith comes, you got to hear faith. You gotta, and that is absolutely true. But sometimes as Christians, um, we relegate scriptures and don't understand the implications of them. And I want to uh, let you know something you may not know today. Faith isn't the only thing that comes by hearing. Faith is not the only thing that comes by hearing. Fear comes by hearing. Some of you are so worried about your location of fear and you're, you're, you're living in fear and you're thinking in fear. You're raising your family in fear. And it's not because of your actual situation. It's because fear comes by hearing. You hear the news. You hear your friends talking about how bad it is. You hear about how bad the economy is and how high these gas prices are. Oh, my gosh, what's going to happen? And literally, you don't realize it, but you are being perpetuated in a spirit of fear, not because your actual circumstance, but because all you hear is fear. Faith comes by hearing. Fear comes by hearing. You know, fake comes by hearing. Some people act fake because you hear how perfect everybody else's life is. You get in your little small group and you're supposed to be in community. You're supposed to be talking about and being encouraged. And you leave feeling so defeated, so um, stuck in comparison, so cuffed to comparison that you're stuck in this cycle where now you feel like because of how I heard how perfect their life is and my life isn't like that. Now I live in a mask. So how you doing? Blessed and highly favored, brother. Favored of the Lord. And you anxious, worried. You ain't seen your fa- like. Because fake comes by hearing. Let me tell you one uh, that I wish they would have told me in high school. You know, freak comes by hearing. Y'all want to act bougie. Why y'all act like this? They transmission. I said freak. <laughs> Some of y'all, and times in my life, you listen to all this music. Talking about, I just like the beat. You know what I'm saying? It's just the beat. It go hard. It go hard. And then you wonder why you single as a Pringle, and at nighttime you tingle, and it's all. I'm not supposed to say that. Sorry. <laughs> Pastor Mike's not here. Hey, oh, here we go. Because you can only listen to WAP so many times before. See, y'all want to play because y'all sitting up here all tight because that's on your playlist when you leave on Sunday. And you wonder why you don't slept with everybody because free comes by hearing. Y'all going to act me because I got a suit. I got to act all proper. What are y'all talking about? What are you listening to? What are you hearing? Some of y'all failure comes by hearing because the only voice in your head is the same voice. This happened to me. I realized this the other day. Uh, I was in a counseling session. And I was talking to her. I said, I realized my fear of failure. And I've told this story so many times. It's been open to so many of my sermons. But literally, I was in sixth grade, got down to the end of the game. If I made the free throws, we won the game. I missed both the free throws. We lost in that same sixth grade voice plays in my head. Yeah, you couldn't do it then. You can't do it now. You're not enough. 
If you had it in you, you would have done it. Because of what you're hearing. And the honest truth is there are tons of believers, non-believers, who are not hearing impaired H-E-A-R, but H-E-R-E. You're, you're hearing what you're doing, your trust in God, really your contentment. That's the thing I want to talk about. You cannot be content because all you hear is what you're not, where you're not, how much you don't have, who you're not. You have pictures. Some of us have pictures of who we thought we were going to be that we made up. We didn't talk to God about it at all. You just watch MTV Cribs. You just watch your big brother, your big sister made up a whole story. You're not there. And now you're frustrated with here and God's trying to talk to you. This is exactly where you're going to become everything you thought you would be. This is exactly where your marriage is going to be restored. This is exactly where I want to, and you can't hear it because you're so frustrated with here that you cannot hear. What are you hearing? Today, I want to put some value on your hearing. I know everybody talks about what you're seeing, but what are you hearing? Here's the thing I learned with the 86 kids me and my wife have had. Um, (laughs) We're on our way. Um, One thing that happens is there's a difference in the value of hearing from uh, them being in the womb to when they come into the world. There's a distinct difference. When you're in the womb, all those other senses are pretty much useless. Ain't nothing to see. Ain't nothing to smell. Ain't nothing to taste. Ain't nothing to touch. But one thing I've learned is they say, every doctor will tell you, if you will talk to your baby, they can become familiar with your voice. So Arla, I'd be, I, I, the moment we found out Arla was a little gummy bear, I was up on Abby's belly like, hey, little buddy, daddy loves you so much. You're the best. You're going you're gonna to be so beautiful. You're going to be so, oh, boy, I can't. I was talking so much to that little baby. Why? Because when there's nothing else to see, taste, touch, or, uh, or, or feel in that moment, I knew all he was depending on. All he could depend. I'm going to, but spoiler alert, I'm about to preach. All he could depend on is what he could hear. But when I was studying this week, if you look it up on Google, it'll tell you once you're born, your most valuable sense is your eyes. That's how you the most valuable sense you have is your seeing. The most va- so here's what happens. When you're in the womb, all you can do is trust what your parents said. When you come out of the womb, you say, let me see for myself. I hear you talking to me, but let me just see it for myself. Here's the part where we preach. At this moment, even I was talking, I was talking to my little girl, Luna. She is a wild child. I love her so much. She turns two tomorrow. She's having a dino party. She's so gassed. She just woke up this morning screaming, dino party, dino party. And she said, I'm jumping, daddy. I'm jumping. I'm jumping. I was like, what? she is just literally like just started jumping. One thing I thought about when I thought about the difference of hearing when you're in the womb versus the world is, um, when I was talking to Luna, when she was in her mom's belly, it was one of the most intense times of my life. I was dealing with anxiety, so much worry and fear. Me and Abby's marriage was going through it, and we were in the middle of a worldwide pandemic. The other day I was talking to Luna, I was like, baby, you were born in a crazy time. You don't even know. The reason she doesn't know is because it didn't, it didn't matter when she came out, even though the world would tell her, hey, what's most valuable is what you see. All she knew is what dad told her. She didn't have an opportunity to make it up for herself. So in the moment when it was one of the most difficult things that have ever happened in my life, when it was one of the most crazy environments, when there's so much toxic uh, political part, when all these things are spoiling around, all she could hear in that womb is not the news. She didn't hear how bad things were. She didn't hear about the racial tension. She didn't hear about all these things that were so horrible. All she heard was her father's voice. Baby, it's going to be great when you get here. When you get here, it's going to be so much fun. Mom and dad are so excited for you. This is going to be the best time ever. And many of us, this is why the scripture talks about you have to be born again. Once you were born, you switched from valuing your hearing to only leaning on what you see. Yeah, I know God said I was going to be successful, but what I see right now isn't that. So I can't trust what he said. Yeah, I know God said this marriage was going to last, but what I see right now is they're living in a different apartment. So it doesn't matter what he said because I've seen it for myself and I've already decided how this is going to go. But here's the thing about the kingdom of God. 
the kingdom of God does not work like the kingdom on earth. On earth, it's always the value on what you see, then what you hear. In the kingdom of heaven, it has always been first what you hear, then you see it. Let me go nerdy for a second, because, you know, when I start studying sermons, I'll be looking up all types of random facts. I got stuff about galaxies and all types of random stuff up here. One of the things that came up when I was studying for this message is on Earth, light travels faster than the speed of sound. This is the thing. If you look it up, if you look at, yes, when you can see something before you can hear something, they talk about breaking the sound barrier. So on the kingdom of Earth, light travels faster than sound. But it didn't work that way in Genesis 1. It didn't work that way in Genesis 1. In the kingdom of heaven, God said, let there be light. And then you saw something. This tells me, see y'all, I get excited about this. This tells me that God is not predicated on your current circumstance. He can speak something you don't see right now. He can speak something that don't make no sense. He can speak something and it has value because he knows when I speak, things move. When I speak, mountains move. When I speak, galaxies appear. When I speak, a dead body raises back to life. When I speak, things change. But many of us, if you had to choose... Between hearing God and seeing God, you would pick seeing God. Like if I just polled, hey, would you rather see God or hear God? I'm sure, I want to see Jesus. What do he look like? I know he wasn't that white Jesus that some people are trying to sell me because he didn't, this just doesn't make sense. But I want to see like what he looked like. Somebody else's bubbles just got bursted. Well, Jesus wasn't white? No, he didn't live. That's not a thing. Um, but we would rather, matter, okay, I'm going to do a stretch. I need two people. I need two people. Micaiah and G, where you at? Everybody, everybody give it up for Micaiah and Grayson. Everybody give it up for Micaiah and Grayson. Um, all right, now don't stand too close to me because y'all too tall. People are going to realize how short I am. Uh, <laughs> that's the first thing people say, man, you're a lot shorter than I thought you were. Well, you're, uh, okay. <laughs> okay, so um, if you had to choose between being able to see or being able to hear, which one would you choose? Grayson, I'm going to give you, you want to see. Okay, Grayson wants to be able to see, you want to be able to hear. Okay, I need a little help. Where's the, uh, the illustrator? Grayson, if you could just stand right here, and Makai, if you could stand next to him. Okay, so G, gonna put, you want to be able to see, put these noise-canceling headphones on, put this around your face, come on. We're going to do a little test here. Many of us want to be like Grayson, where we can see, we just can't hear. Because honestly, it feels more in control to be able to see what's going on. To be able to see where you're standing, to be able to see what God's doing, to be able to see where he's trying to take you, to be able to see what maybe he's trying to do in your relationships and in your friendships. And we value so much our seeing that if given the opportunity, we would choose, I would rather see God than hear God. Here's the only problem when it comes to seeing over hearing. God does not give instructions by charades. Micaiah, take two steps forward. Grayson, take two steps forward. But, Micaiah, turn to your left. Take three steps forward. Grayson, take three, three, three steps forward. Oh, you... So now he's just... See how awkward? See how awkward it is when you want to see God, but you can't? Micaiah, just start walking forward. Keep walking. Oh, watch out. Step a little bit uh, to your right. Step a little bit to your right. Why are you moving? Stop, Micaiah. Here's what happens. Many of us start guessing. We start guessing what God is saying. We start guessing. Well, maybe he said I should move to L.A. And maybe he said I should start a, maybe I should start a, Here is the difference. You don't have to see God to obey God. You do not have to see God. Micaiah, take one step back. Micaiah, turn around. Oh, watch out for the chair. Sorry, I'm a bad instructor. Step, take one step to your left. Now take a step. Now take a step forward. Take a step forward. Take a step. Why you put your hands out? You don't trust me? Why, why you still got that other business idea? You don't trust me? Why you save their number? You don't trust me? Why you stop going to counseling? You don't trust me? Why you? This is what many of us look like. Valuing. And here's the thing. 
Seeing feels more in control. But you completely lose the intimacy of the relationship. There's no intimacy. He can see me, but we can't connect because he can't hear. I was thinking of this and I was like, if I had to choose between seeing my little girl grow up and hearing her grow up, there's something that happens when she comes around the corner and says, Daddy! In many of our life, we would choose, I want to see God, but he starts speaking and it just... And then you start looking, you look confused, and you, then you start comparing, you start looking around and think, well, maybe I should do what they, yeah. I'm just trying to bring value. What, what, are, you, what are you hearing? Yeah. What is God saying to you? You've been so focused on what you see. You've been so focused on how bad the situation is. You've been so focused on, on what you thought was going to be there, and you're looking at your situation, and God's saying, listen, you don't have to see what I'm doing to obey what I said. Thank y'all so much. Some of us have been so focused. <laughs> you be a little. Sometimes that's what our faith walk look like. We come out the. Oh, you see, Grace didn't even get the cue. My baby. <laughs> Illustration worked a little too well. <laughs> he would have been standing up here all sermon, just like some of y'all living in the same place. You were supposed to. Oh, sorry. What? I'm just, I'm just trying to get you to put some value on what you're hearing. What is God saying? What is, what is he speaking to you? What is he, what is he trying to do in your soul? What is he trying to, but if you don't ever stop for just a moment and stop looking at what you're seeing, you'll never stop to ask the question, what, what, am, I, what am I hearing here? God always works off what, you, what he's saying to you. He always works off of valuing. Listen, I can speak one word that can sustain you through seasons when you can't see. That's what God wants to do. And here's the beautiful thing. We know this in scripture, but we don't ever live it. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We say this scripture, but then we get in a moment where we blindfolded. We get in a moment where we can't see what God is doing. We can't see how that family member and our relationship is torn and how it's going to get back. Or we can't see how this hard situation, we made a mistake and we don't know what's going to happen. We can't see it, but if you would take a moment, that's why the word of God is such a gift. Because you don't have to see what he's doing, but you can still hear his voice. That's why the Bible is so, I remember as a kid thinking, I would go to youth camps and be like, you got to read your Bible, you got to read your Bible, you got to read your Bible. And it's like, no, I'm not reading my Bible for reading my Bible's sake. I read my Bible for the same reason I talk to my wife, because without talking to her, there is intimacy lost. And here's the real thing. I lose her heart. And the truth is, many people and many believers have tried to show God without his heart. And when you don't have his heart, it messes with how you hear. See, when I was when I was working on this sermon, listen, we're going to go in this sermon series and it's going to be so, so powerful. Listen, we got the home squad preaching. Come on. Like we got amazing, amazing. We've already started uh, working on sermon. It's going to be amazing. We're going to talk about how do you practically hear God? What do you do when you feel like you don't hear God? Like there's going to be so many amazing things that we navigate. And I wanted to already. I literally told uh, one of the people who was preaching. I was like, listen, I may steal your message in the middle of my message and they would never know because I went first. But. I'm not going to do that, even though I really want to. I was preaching and I was working on this sermon and I wanted to go in to talk about um, everything we hear because it's so valuable. Like the whole first part of this is like, yeah, you got to focus on what you hear, what you hear. And then the Holy Spirit stopped me and said, Charles, there is something exponentially more important than what you hear. It's not your taste, not your touch not your smell, not your sight. The only thing that can mess with what you hear is what you've heard. The only thing that can mess with your ability to hear is the things you've heard. And there are many people who the biggest thing messing with your hearing 
is not your inability to hear God. It's what you've heard about God. And because of what you've heard, it messes with your ability to hear, hear. We have certain lenses, we have certain ideas, and many of us are so stuck in this moment, in our circumstance, in our location, not because God isn't speaking, but because you only hear him a certain way, not because of what he told you, but because of what you heard from someone else. Let me illustrate it for you. I have one of my best friends in the world here. Nate is here. Nate, could you actually come up on stage? Everybody give it up for my friend Nate. Come on, Nate. Come up here, baby. I love you so much. He's like one of the coolest people in the world, and I love him so much. And he moves next week, which is a very sad, emotional thing. I'm not going to cry. I want to tell you a little bit of Nate's story. First of all, he's fly, as you can see. He's so cool. She's ripped under that shirt, too. Let me tell you. That's a little weird. Why did I say that? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) That's incredible. I love my wife. Okay. Um, he is. I'm just sorry. I, anyways, you look great, man. I love you a lot. This is awkward. We didn't plan this. Okay. I'm going to tell you a little bit of Nate's story. Um, Nate has a crazy, crazy story. Very crazy. At 12, he found himself homeless. At 13, He got involved with a lot of uh, gang things in his neighborhood. He experienced a lot of drugs. Then at 17, he found himself on trial. He spent eight years in jail. This is the story of Nate. Now, before Nate, now in this moment, um, in just a second, I'm going to ask you to finish the rest of this sermon, okay? We talked about this first. We're going to finish the rest of this. Are you ready? This is your moment. I'm not going to make him finish the rest of the sermon. Let me tell you something. Um, None of that is true. Nate is one of the most kindest, loving, gentle people. He wasn't homeless. He wasn't in gangs. He didn't spend any time in prison. Contrary to popular belief, he said. But because of what you heard about Nate, if I was to give him the microphone, it would affect what you were able to hear from Nate. When I said he spent time, you were like, oh, well, maybe like. And this is one of my dearest friends. And we go to church place. This illustration came out of a real thing. And I wish I saw him because I would stop being a pastor for a second and punch him in the stomach. But a guy literally came. He's like, you've obviously spent some time in prison, right? Like, clearly you've been. And many of us, we form opinions of people, not on what they told us about them, but on what we heard about them from other people. Thank you so much, Nate. I love you so much. Many of you heard about God before you were able to hear from God. And you put up limits and barriers and blockades and lenses about how God talks and what he means and his intention, not based on what he told you about himself, but based on what somebody said that was not true. I was preparing this message, and the Holy Spirit told me so clearly. He said, Charles, I don't want to talk about what people are hearing right now. We're going to talk about that um, uh, in the rest of the series. But before we talk about what you hear, I have to tell you what Jesus tells people in Matthew 5. We're going to get into it for just a second. It's the title of my message today. Forget what you heard. The thing that has you in chains is not your ability to hear from God. It's what you've heard about God. Somebody told you God only accepts perfect people. And now you're stuck in performance, not because of what he said, but because of what you heard. Somebody told you that if you make a mistake, God turns his back on you. And now you are stuck and you don't even want to step into a church. You don't even want to get close. Or when you start reading your Bible, you feel discouraged, not because you can't hear from God, but because of what you heard. And for so long... The church, if we're honest, has done a pretty bad job at describing what Jesus is actually like. And there are a lot of people, and the very truth is, all of our experiences with God is before we are able to hear from God personally, we heard about God from somebody else. Based on whatever youth group you went to, based on whatever street preacher you saw on the corner, guess on whatever post you saw in a political moment, guess whatever side someone took in a moment of division, you saw something that made you form an opinion and put up walls and put up certain ideas about God that I want to inform you today are not true. 
And I have a very specific assignment today is to address what you've heard. Because it won't matter if he starts trying to talk to you. If all you heard is that when God talks, he's an angry God. It won't matter if he's trying to talk to you in a still, small voice. When all you've heard is that he screams. When all you've heard that he only accepts certain type of people. Jesus, in Matthew 5, I wish I could go into every detail of it, but we're going to walk through it just for a moment. In Matthew 5, this is Jesus' sermon on the mount. It's one of Jesus' first sermon. He's up there. He's preaching. And this is the crazy thing about Jesus. This is the moment where he is revealing and unfolding the kingdom of God. He is literally in this moment. This is the first time he's talking. And it comes to this moment in Matthew 5. It starts in verse 21. And he says this phrase six times. You've heard it said. He says it six times, not five times the number of grace, not seven times the number of perfection. Six, the number of man. You've heard it said. People have told you about me. You've heard the laws I gave to Moses. You heard the things I had to do to keep things in alignment. But I'm asking you in this moment, would you forget what you've heard because I'm here? This is Matthew 5. I want to walk you through it for just a moment so we can see it in Scripture. This is so powerful. He addresses six things that they said. He says, you've heard it said. I'm going to bounce around a little bit, and I'm going to ask everyone, please go through beyond this sermon and read this Scripture. There's so much powerful stuff in here. There's six you've heard it said statements. He says this, verse 21, Matthew 5. You've heard it said. People long ago, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders is subject to judgment. But I tell you, anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. You've heard it said that you must not commit adultery. But I tell you, anyone who looks lustfully at a woman has already committed adultery. What is Jesus doing? He's taking the law that was about your behavior and he's addressing your heart. Because here's what happens. In all of these, the Pharisees had found a loophole in the law. Let me give you context. The Pharisees were the religious people who literally they would have had the first five books of the Bible memorized. They were following 384 Messianic laws and they knew all of them verbatim and they were teaching people this is who God is. And they were so stuck to the law that they could not see love in a person when he showed up. Jesus comes and says, I know they've taught you the law. And the Bible is very clear. Jesus did not come to do away with the law. But what he did is to come to show you what it says in Romans 8.3. The law could not save us. So God did what the law could not do in sending Jesus. Jesus comes, he says, you've heard it said that you shouldn't have committed adultery. But I tell you that if you look lustfully at a woman, everybody's like, oh, that's a different different standard. I I don't know about... You shouldn't kill nobody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I have. Because here's what happened. Pharisees were walking around in pride because they hadn't killed anybody. They hadn't committed adultery. They hadn't done any of these things. They're walking around. I haven't done these bad things, so I'm better than other people. Just like many of us, we have this list in our head that makes us better than other people. And then from that list of better than other people, you try to tell people about Jesus. And here's what the church has done for so long. What is happening in these scriptures is Jesus is exposing that the law is only about behavior modification. That's all the law could do. The law is a list of do's and don'ts. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. Don't do that. And in that time, because there was not a savior, this is all that they had. You have to follow these rules. And because when they're sin, you have to give a sacrifice. And there are priests and all these different rules. And Jesus is standing in front of them saying, I know you were able to follow these rules, but I'm not after your behavior. I'm not after your performance. I'm after your heart. Jesus walks through the scripture. There's one in here, Matthew 5, I believe it's in verse 37. He talks about divorce. This has been a scripture, even when I was reading through the story, I was like, oh man, this is a crazy like, perspective on it because some people use it and they're like, see, how does this make sense? And the Bible's so flawed because Jesus says, and the scripture says this, it says, it's been said if anyone divorces his wife, he must give her a certificate of divorce. You've heard it said that way. But I tell you, anyone who uh, divorces his wife except for sexual immorality makes her a victim of adultery and you an adultery. 
So it's, some people read the scripture and so you see God said, if you get divorced, you can't get remarried. Here's, let me give you context. If you study the Bible, it's so beautiful. In that time, here's what was happening. The Pharisees at the time, there were two primary teachings and they were using the law to do two things. One, to favor men in a divorce and to allow men not to have to confront their issues. This is a very real thing. Back then, they used the law of Moses to say, if you don't like your wife, all you got to do is write a piece of paper and give it to her. You don't have to work on your marriage. You don't have to deal with your issues. And what Jesus is addressing is he's saying, hey, listen, I know you found a loophole in the law, but this is not about the law. This is not about your performance. It's not about finding the line of sin. It's about your heart. Look what it says in the message version on that scripture. It's so powerful. It says this, remember the scripture says, whoever divorces his wife, let him do it legally, giving her divorce papers and uh, her legal rights. Too many of you are using that as a cover for selfishness and a whim of pretending to be righteous. Please no more pretending. Jesus is saying you're using the law to pretend like you're better than other people. You're using the law to make you righteous. And this is what has happened to so many people. So many believers and non-believers, we have heard about God before you were able to hear from God. It was so powerful. I mentioned it, my friend Nate. Um, it's been an amazing, amazing journey, and, and I, I literally could uh, sit up here and cry thinking about it, but me and met, Nate met about six years ago, um, and he had just moved to Tulsa, and we were literally sitting at a coffee shop, and I just saw him, and I just thought he looked cool. And I was like, hey, you're kind of cool. What's your name? Like, that was literally, I think, how we met. And uh, during that time, Nate would tell you himself, he's like, yeah, I was not about church. Like, didn't mess with church. Don't invite me to church. Don't really want to talk about church. Don't want to talk about God. And I literally, I was just like playing a call. I'm like, yeah, awesome, bro. Like, I just think you're cool. Let's just be friends. Over the last... Uh, really eight months to a year, God has done amazing things. Nate, life is completely transformed. He's about like, I, I, I could freak out telling you about it, but me and him, it was a crazy experience because I'm literally going from a best friend that I have that I share my life with and I'm trying to encourage and just be there for to then literally yesterday, we're talking on the phone about sermon ideas. It's just an insane experience to have that with a friend. And he literally said, he said, that's so powerful. I was talking about the difference of hearing and hearing God. And he said, I realized in my journey of when I was involved in church, went through some hard things, didn't want anything to do with church, I realized the thing that kept me from God was not God. It was the people that told me about God and said he was a certain way. And he said, what I realized is even when I tried to start hearing God, I didn't have his heart. So I heard God, but I, I didn't hear his heart. And this message, I know we want to get into like all the big stuff of like, how do you hear God? How do you know if you're, and we're going to address all of that. But really today I have to come and address and tell people, there are a lot of people who say, what? I'm just saying what I heard Jesus say. Yeah, but do you have his heart? We forget that the whole Bible is written in the context, not the whole Bible, sorry, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the gospels, the portion we get of Jesus' life is written in the context of a three-year relationship. And we just be spouting off scriptures to people. See, I'm on the corner. Yeah, yeah, you need to know. That's not. And what we're doing is somehow we have started, just like these Pharisees in Matthew 5, started teaching the law again. Don't do this. That's a bad thing. Don't do this. Don't, don't, don't. Don't smoke. Don't have sex for a marriage. Don't. And here's the part. I have no issues with those things because Jesus and God does have a very clear standard. But we have gotten the order of the news mixed up. There's good news and bad news. I stole this from my friend Tim Ross, and I'm going to thank you, Tim Ross, for this. The good news is, if you don't trust Jesus, if you haven't given your life to him, the good news is, he loves you. Yes. The good news, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, he loves you. You're like, you're living an alternate life, he loves you. You're getting high every day because you don't have to, he loves you. You're a murderer, he loves you. You don't, you don't agree with, he loves you. That is the good news. After you accept Jesus... There's bad news. The good news is he died for you. The bad news is now you got to die for him. And we just want to come to people sharing our faith with bad news. Don't do that. That's a sin. Don't do that. That's a bad thing. Don't do that. And they have not accepted the good news. 
Give them the good news first. The good news is no matter what you've heard, Jesus' message is I am here. That is the good news of Jesus. That is what he's saying in Matthew 5. I know what you've heard, but forget what you've heard. I'm here now. You don't have to hear about me from a priest. You don't have to hear about me from, from, from the Pharisees. There were certain times in church that started the Reformation, if you study church history, because the Bible was, was stuck in Latin, and they would only have priests who could actually read Latin. Nobody could read Latin. And so it kept people from actually being able to hear God from themselves. And this is where they started char- charging money to know God's word. This is literally church history. Go study it. The Bible can only be read by certain people because they wanted to keep a distance between what you think of God and let me tell you about God for myself. And what happens is when you allow other people to inform your view of God, it gets twisted and now you blame God. Not from what he said, but from what you heard. And the truth is, and this is where I end, Keys can come back up. The reason I feel genuinely, genuinely, genuinely so passionate about this topic is because I've walked with and I'm currently walking with who with a lot of friends that want nothing to do with God, not because they can't hear, but because of what they've heard. Just what they've heard. They've heard God doesn't love gay people. They've heard God doesn't love you if you make a mistake. God doesn't love people who make wrong decisions. God doesn't love people who don't lift their hands in worship. God doesn't love people who don't pray loud. God doesn't love people who don't agree with a certain political party. God doesn't love, and it's all a lie. And I want to come, and maybe some of you, you've, maybe you've heard some things about God, and I just literally, you, one of the most powerful things I said earlier, Jesus would have been described as one of the most approachable people on the planet. And I just, I have a deep conviction that absolutely there's standards. Absolutely we have to, Jesus, he says in the scripture, I didn't come to abolish the law. I'm not here to say there's no rules, do whatever the heck you want. He's just saying, really, the reason the reason I pointed out earlier, he points out six different things. That is the number of man. What is he saying? In your own ability, you cannot live up to the standard. Let's be just very clear with it. Jesus, all throughout scripture, would say things that seemed ridiculous. In this very story, he says, unless your righteousness does not reach the height of the Pharisees, you will never be able to enter the kingdom. And we hear scriptures like that and think, oh my gosh, I'll never be able to do it. I gotta do more, I gotta perform, I gotta be better, I gotta do more work, I gotta read my Bible more, I gotta pray more. You know what the point of that was? For you to feel like, well, I can't do that. And Jesus to say, exactly. That's the whole point. And somehow we have used this performance-based religion to make some people feel prideful and some people feel less than when Jesus said, none of your doing can save you. And we're so adamant about don't do this, that's a sin. Don't do this, that's a sin. Don't do this, that's a sin. I want to say something that I'm only saying because our pastor said it first, but it's going to mess with some of your theology. You do not go to hell for sin. Some of you are like, oh my God, what is he about to say? You go to hell for not putting your faith in Jesus. You go to hell for thinking you're your own savior. You go to hell for being self-righteous and thinking I don't need anyone to save me. Sin separates you from God, it destroys your heart, and it is not the plan of God for your life. But we have so been so adamant about preaching about sin that we have forgot that this book is not about sin. This book is not about a list of to-dos. This book is not about bad news. This book is not trying to change your behavior. This book is not about behavior modification. The story of Jesus and the good news is it's about heart transformation. The whole point of this, and there's so many scriptures that reiterate this, and there's so many that I wanted to read that are so powerful, and I'm just going to read one of them. Which one am I going to read? I'm sorry, I'm making weird noises. Hebrews 10. The old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come. 
not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under the system were repeated again, again, and again, year after year, but they were never able to provide a, a cleansing for those who came to worship. Colossians 2, it says something else. I just, I want to give you Bible today because I want you to know this isn't made up stuff. This isn't just made up rules. This is what the Bible says. Colossians 2, starting in verse 16. So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or what you drink or celebrating certain holy days on the new moon. For these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself is that reality. It says in verse 22, such rules are mere human teaching about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, self-denial, and severe bodily discipline, but they provide no help in conquering an evil person's desires. What is the Bible saying? It's saying, I know you might have heard about God, but just for a moment, could you, could you forget what you heard? Because I, I'm here. I just, I just want to be here with you. I know you've heard that God feels some type of way about you. I know you've heard that you have to perform. I know you've heard that he only, I know you've heard that. Forget what you've heard. I'm here. I know you've heard you. If you make a mistake, God throws you out. Forget what you've heard. I'm here. I know you've heard that on your third marriage it's horrible and there's no hope for you. Forget what you've heard. I am the God who restores. I am here. I know you've heard, Pastor, that after you made a mistake and the world canceled you and the church canceled you, that you'll never speak and preach the good news. Forget what you've heard. I'm here. I know you've heard man who's in prison and made a mistake when you were 17 that there's no hope for your life and you'll never get out and you'll never have a relationship with your children. Forget what you've heard. He's here. And until we realize that Jesus did not come to save those who thought they were perfect. He did not come to applaud you for abiding by the list he gave you. If Jesus was out here rewarding people who did what he told them to do, he would be a manager, not a savior. He would be just a good parent who said, yeah, you did what I said to do. Let me give you a piece of candy. Salvation is not a piece of candy. It's something you can never earn. It's something you can never get by yourself. For it is by grace we have been saved through faith in Jesus Christ, not so that anyone should boast. How are we boasting in this gift? How are we boasting in things that we have no control over? How are you boasting, acting like our good deeds, like my good sermon preaching, or my not making the wrong decision made me any better than my neighbor? It was the same grace that saved you, that saved me. What are you hearing here? As we close out this sermon, I'm going to ask us to bow our heads and close our eyes. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to do something that only you can do. Only you can do it. God, I'm asking you to cleanse away and to remove the ideas, the limits, and the lenses, Lord God, of what we've heard about you. Because, God, we want to hear from you. God, we just want to hear from you. We want to hear your voice. We want to hear your love. We want to hear your kindness. We want to hear your grace. We want to hear your mercy. We want to hear the good news, Lord God. And even after the good news, Lord God, we know, Lord God, that there's a standard that you want to change. Lord God, if we give you our hearts, you'll help us with our habits. You love us so much that you'll meet us right where we are, but you also love us so much that you won't leave us there, Lord God. So we know there's going to be transformation. We know we're going to have to change. We know we're going to have to deal with our patterns. We know there's, there's consequences for our mistakes. We know all that, Lord Jesus. But without your spirit, without your help, Lord God, we will simply be on uh, the hamster wheel of performance and we're tired of running we're tired of acting we're tired of performing lord jesus we need your help lord i pray right now lord jesus
for the discouraged heart, for the hard heart, for the one who has heard God as angry, for the one who has heard God as an unpleased God who doesn't want anything, Lord, for a God who's too busy, for a God who can't get involved, for a God who's too big to get involved in your small problems. Lord, I thank you that right now, by your spirit, you are literally taking off, Lord God, the scales. Lord God, you are literally removing, Lord God, the the, the noise-canceling headphones of culture, of our parents, of how we were raised, of bad theology. You are literally removing those things, Lord God, so that we can hear you clearly. That's my prayer, Lord God. Lord, that right now in this moment, you would remove, Lord God, anything that has blocked, Lord God, us from hearing your voice, your spirit, and your love. I thank you that you would do it, Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed. There are some of you in this room, and the truth is you've heard about God, but you've never had a relationship with him for yourself. I'm telling you, he loves you so much. He's so proud of you. He's so grateful that you would even be in this moment. And listen, there's nothing you could do right now that would make him love you more or less. He loves you because he loves you. He loves you because he is love. Love is not something he does. It's not an emotion he has. It is who he is. He can't act outside of love. He can't act against love. God is love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever Ever would believe in him would not perish but would have eternal life that is the good news of Jesus and today if you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you want to accept him I want to give you that opportunity I'm going to count to three on the count of three I'm going to ask you no matter if you're in the room or online to raise your hand this is not a religious activity this isn't so we can count the numbers of people who made that decision this is for you this is because the bible says in romans that when you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that jesus is lord you shall be saved it's not by your performance it's not by your actions you don't have to believe the lie that you have to clean your life up and then come to jesus that's not how it works if you give him your life he will transform everything. He can help you with the bad habits. He can help you with the addiction. He can help you with the marital problems. But first, he wants your heart. Right now, all over the world, if you want to accept Jesus, we're going to give you that opportunity. One, he loves you. Two, he has a beautiful plan for your life. Three, raise your hand around the world right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You don't have to listen to the lies. You don't have to listen to that voice that tells you this isn't real or why are you raising your hand or what are they going to think about you? No, in this moment, hear from God. God says, I love you. God says, I'm proud of you. God says, my arms are open wide. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy burden, and I will give you rest for your soul. There's peace with Jesus. There's the strength you need with Jesus. There's clarity of mind with Jesus. There is a settled soul in his arms come to Jesus. That is the invitation. All around the world, if you raise your hand, we're going to, as a church family, we're going to pray together. Nobody's going to pray alone. We're going to all pray this for the benefit of those who are coming to Jesus. And even for some of you who need to rededicate your life to Jesus in this moment, maybe you've strayed away, maybe you've gotten distant, but in this moment, you can pray this prayer, believe in your heart, and something can be changed forever in your eternity. And that is, it is secure with Christ all around the world. Repeat this after me. Say, dear God, I love you. Thank you for loving me. Dear Jesus, I admit I can't do it. I'm not enough. I thank you that you are more than enough. I give my life to you. Save me. Change me. Transform me. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody said amen transformation church can we give it up oh come on can we make some noise for people who just gave their life to jesus hey listen if you just made that decision we're so happy we're so grateful it's the best decision you could ever make and uh this starts an amazing journey of following jesus it's not we like to say it's not about perfection it's about progression And as a church, we would love to come alongside of you, to be an encouragement, to be a support, to be a place where you can figure out what does it mean to follow Jesus. We've got amazing content. If you're watching this on YouTube, we've got amazing sermons that can help walk you through what does it mean now and and what do I need to do and what is the Holy Spirit and and how do God talk about every single thing you can think about. We want to talk to you and help you on this journey. And uh, man, we'd love to know that you made that decision today. If you text the word SAVE to the number that's on your screen, uh, 8288. 
8282. Our team just wants to connect with you, wants to send you some resources and really just be uh, an assistance on this journey with Jesus. Listen, more than anything, you need to know he loves you so much. He loves you so, so much and he's always loved you. He doesn't love you more now because you made this decision. He doesn't make you love you less when you make a wrong decision tomorrow. He loves you infinitely and exponentially because you're you. So here's the beautiful thing. You can stop trying to change who he created you to be. He loves you right where you are. But I promise you, one moment with Jesus after this decision, everything changes. Your life may change. Some things you used to do may change. Some old habits that you thought were okay won't feel okay anymore that's the conviction of the holy spirit it's not condemnation romans 8 said there is no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus after that in romans uh, 8 3 is where it says for god did what the law could not do by sending jesus what did jesus do he came to help and heal our heart so that our habits could be transformed he came so that we could be changed from the inside out not trying to force our hearts to change from the outside in in this moment i promise you your life is going to change and we're so grateful for you we love you so much listen i want to encourage you Come back next week. If you've ever um, tried to figure out how do I hear from God, stick with us this whole series. I promise you, if you've ever wondered how do I hear from God, what do I do to hear from God, what are practices, all these, we're going to address all those different things, and I promise you it's going to change your life. Listen, as a church, we love you. On behalf of our lead pastors, Pastor Michael and Natalie Todd, we love you so much, and we're going to ask you to go out and live a transformed life. We'll see you guys. Thank you for joining us today. If you said that prayer and accepted Jesus into your heart, it's the best decision you could ever make. We want to celebrate with you, and we have some tools to help you on your journey. Text SAVED to 828282. And to find out more about TC, text CONNECT to 828282. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Thanks for listening. Now go out and live a transformed life.